0: Hello beautiful souls.
1: We bring you conscious content filled with empowering information.
0: Designed to align you with the fulfilling freedom of activated awareness.
1: I am Rachel Alcyon.
0: And I am Daniel Alcyon.
1: Welcome Welcome to to the Ecstatic Ecstatic Existence Podcast.
0: Hello again lovely loyal listeners. You are joining the Ecstatic Existence Podcast. This is where you tune in to your interviews with leaders in alternative health, wellness, spirituality, and conscious thought from all over the world. And we bring them to you every single week. I am Daniel Alcyon.
1: And I am Rachel Alcyon.
0: And we are so excited to connect yet again with another professional in a really cool area of expertise. Our guest today is Sue Cook. She is a health scientist and a neurodevelopmental specialist. She's an author, and she's a winner of multiple business awards across a wide range of categories. Her main work is seeing patients with neurodevelopmental issues and then teaching brain and body exercises, training people in both, and then she's written several books on these. She lives in Essex, UK, and she's actually been a therapist for 20 years and a brain specialist for 10. Welcome to the show, Sue. Nice to have you.
2: Oh, thank you. It's a it's a delight and a pleasure to be invited. Thank you.
1: Yay. So, you know, this topic really uh fascinates me a lot. I I have known quite a few people that have had, you know, brain injuries and have done massive healing. Um in fact my my sister suffered a, a brain injury. Um and and so I know that it can be a really long road of healing in that in that realm. And so I can't wait to hear more about your specialty.
2: Oh, thank you. Yeah, um, it really began with my son, um, my gorgeous. uh, He's now 16. But when he was six, he was diagnosed with extremely severe dyslexia. And we were told that by the time he's 12, he might just about be able to read his name. And um, as as a health scientist, I wasn't prepared to accept that there were no doors open for him. So I started researching and discovered neurodevelopment, and I learned it for him, and it ended up changing my life. (laughs) And as you've just described, I've been doing it for 10 years and ended up writing books and uh, and training people all over the world. So it's been a really unexpected but exciting journey of of, uh, loveliness, really, and helping people.
0: You know, that's really amazing. That's the exact kind of thing we love sharing on this program, Ecstatic Existence, is so your son received a a diagnosis from supposed medical professionals saying that he would possibly never even be able to read beyond his own name, right? And then you, on your own, have gone against their diagnosis and found a way to heal this process. That is amazing.
2: Yeah, and and there was a lot of stick. Um, I really, really got a lot of stick from my family. Um, My my ex-father-in-law said, you leave that child alone, there's nothing wrong with him. And I remember thinking, actually, you don't live with him, you don't really know. And my father even said to me, Sue, there's no cure, you have to learn to live with it. And I just thought, well, you know, if I believe them, then that's my son. You know, we know his almost certain future, but if I do the opposite of what they say and I go looking anyway then we might just find something that helps him. So I, I did that because I, I don't want to be told what to do and I don't want limitations. So I went and broke the mold there and, um, yeah, <laughs> made them meet their words.
1: Yeah, that rebel <laughs> spirit, I love it, especially when it's in service to the good, you know. Um, yeah, so many people would have just, you know, kind of maybe gotten into that woe is me and like, oh, well, this is this is just how it is. Okay, then, and and tried to live with it um and yeah what a powerful mama bear you are to be able to like rise up and and do what you were called to do um and turned this you know thing that could have s- seemingly been uh, a huge obstacle into something that's radically transformed not only your life but the life of your family yeah. and, and many people in, around the world
0: something that i love is how you've taken you know a lot of times people especially with anything in the medical world we get a label and once you get diagnosed with a label People tend to stick with it, and they think, well, I'm dyslexic, I'm autistic, I have diabetes, or whatever these labels are, and then instead of working to improve it, they just kind of, like, stick with that label. And you've decided the label wasn't going to hold you back, and now your son doesn't have that label of dyslexia anymore.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It was not a future that I wanted for him because he he wasn't wasn't happy at school. Before he started school, it was really clear that there was something strange about him, but I, I didn't really know what it was because he never would play with anything. He would never look at anything. He just wanted to walk and talk. And he received a, an amazing verbal education from me as we walked around all day. Uh, and so when he started school and he had to sit down in a chair and focus on a teacher and a blackboard and bits of paper he had no skills that were um capable of doing that he wasn't classroom ready uh so his his education had been verbal and then we did what we did to sort his brain out and now now he's fine but it was it was a future that I couldn't bear because he was so unhappy before school when we'd walk and talk he was a happy boy and then he started school and, and and because he didn't have the classroom skills he was oh so so unhappy and no parent wants that for their child it's heartbreaking and it was he was distressed and it's it's just not not something I could cope with like that for him so I I changed his future and now he's a happy boy it's brilliant
1: and so what are some of these preliminary steps that you took right here you are noticing that your child is in distress so like what did you do
2: so I did what we do these days, even though it was 10 years ago. I, I got on Google and I spent three days researching. literally didn't move from my chair for three days. I wanted to know everything I could about brain issues and neurodevelopment, which I didn't even know existed back then, but I just wanted to, to study it. So I, I was just looking up words and researching and researching and finding more leads and going down various avenues. And after three days, uh, I I knew quite a lot about the brain then, and about neuroplasticity, which is the potential of our brain to grow new nerve pathways. And so um, eventually I found on the, on the third day, somebody who lived in Oregon who was 82 at the time, she's dead now, but I found her and I got in touch. She was called Svea and uh, she'd been doing neurodevelopment for 40 years and uh just emailed her. She emailed me back, told me what to do to help my son. And then she spent five years teaching me. And that's how... Well, I didn't mean this to be five years, it was only to help my son, but it turned into that as, as other parents came. And I remember when it first happened, people would ring me up and say, we've heard about you and what you're doing, will you help us? And I was, I don't really know what I'm doing. And they said, we don't care, just help us, do whatever you did for your son. And so it was very, very organic in those early days, and I was just doing whatever I did. And when I got stuck, I just used to contact Svea and say, I've got this problem, what do I do? And she'd tell me, and uh, off we'd go again. And so I built up so many um, families and so many children and so many numbers of people I helped. It was just amazing. And
1: so were you able to see results really quickly or was it sort of slow moving and with like, you know, fits and starts and plateaus or tell me about that process?
2: Well, some children respond really, really quickly. So my son, when I did the screening on him to find out what his brain status was, I discovered that he didn't have. 3d vision in other words his eyes weren't working together he had very poor accommodation so he, he struggled to adjust his eyes from near and far he didn't have tracking that's when we keep our head still and follow a moving object um he also had Erlen syndrome which is a horrible light sensitivity thing which i used to have um and what else so there's quite a lot of vi- uh, visual things that he, that he had and when i was explaining to his father the tracking test I was showing my ex-husband, and I was going, look, Toby can't do this. And my son was watching, and he could do it from about 20 feet away. He went, I can do it from here. So we did tracking for him from a distance of about 20 feet for about three days. And then after the three days, he could do it close too. And that changed his life. And, and the thing is, if you can't track. It's a bit like sitting in the back of a bumpy car looking through binoculars. So he he would struggle because everything, if you can imagine that, um, and you the image you're looking at is jumping because you can't track it smoothly, so one one minute something's there and then it's jumped to there. It's quite frightening, and so people who have tracking issues tend to be quite nervous and won't look at things that are moving and He had that, but as soon as he gained the tracking, he was really really confident because he was much more secure in his environment so so like that, other children get better really, really quickly on on certain things and sometimes things do take longer so like you said about the plateaus and the quick improvements my son experienced both so the first couple of weeks he was improving so much and then he plateaued for a couple of months and then there was a huge jump again and a plateau and a lot of my patients do that they they get jumps and plateaus but some people generally they get you know can get smoother results. it's a very very individual thing and it depends what's not working or how badly they're affected as to how their progress is really
0: So we're talking about this neuroplasticity, this idea where you're literally recreating or strengthening pathways in the brain that might be damaged or absent or dormant, right? So that's amazing. And then you do this through practices that are specifically for the brain. Do you incorporate a physical element into this? Is there a fusion of both the body and using the neural pathways?
2: Well, you're going to love the answer to this because the brain learns through movement of the body. So when we're forming in utero, uh, the brain gets feedback from the body, so the, the little baby is moving, and then the brain grows from that, so it's a feedback center. So the, every neurotypical person on the planet would have done funny little movements in utero in the same way, and we have a, there's the same process that goes on. There's, there's the um, primitive reflexes that, that occur in utero, and, and everybody does them. So when there's a breaking those, or, or when they get damaged, then that's when you get problems occurring. So we draw a famous timeline in the air of conception, first three months, birth, and one one year. And so those are fairly major milestones. So if, if your problem occurred, say say your mum was ill and very ill when you were pregnant, um, when she was nearly pregnant, then then symptoms would be more severe. If they happened around birth, they were generally quite severe, but would be milder. And if they happen around three months to six months they tend to be milder again. So you get your more dyslexic end after about three, six months after birth, but you get the more severe autism and global delays during uh, pregnancy very often, or uh, worse, things like cerebral palsy at about three months post-conception, something like that. Obviously, it's going to vary. But So what we do to sort this out is repeat the movements. So it is all physical movements that we do. So we retrain the brain. Uh, with the patterning that would have occurred naturally in utero with physical movements. And that way we give the brain another chance to develop as it might have done the first time had no problems occurred. So really we're just uh, copying nature. Quite simple, really, but not. Oh,
1: yeah, that's absolutely brilliant. You know, and I think that there's this misconception that it's like, you know, the baby's growing in utero and all learning takes place after they're out of the womb. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that just is so fascinating. I love all the in utero work. Um, and so are you, uh, I mean, maybe you are, maybe you aren't, but are you able to pinpoint a time in in your pregnancy with him that you were, like, sick or
2: anything? No, I can't pin it down at all um, to, to anything specific where I'm concerned, but my father has ADHD, uh, so if there's something familial, and I was so uh, discalculate and had Erlen syndrome, so perhaps we just have some sort of a, a thing in us that just didn't develop very well. And then my son, of course, you know, he had his dyslexia, which is is pretty much gone. He doesn't really have um, any of the symptoms he had before. Occasionally, he can be disorganized, and that's about it. But, no, his progress has been absolutely amazing. But with regard to me and and my process, no, I just, no. Whereas with some uh, mothers, there's something very obvious, like they were very ill and had a really bad fever, or the child was very sick and and, and so on. But, no, um, not with us. Right. But none of us can Yeah, yeah, none of us can do math. So we all, we all have a bit of a math issue. Right. Right.
1: <laughs> and so I was I was going to say that in terms of neuroplasticity, you could apply these methods potentially to all all styles of learning, right? Like if you wanted to learn another language or more, you know, math skills, um does it cross over?
2: Well, with with um the learning things, it depends which part of the brain's affected as to what symptoms you're going to have so for example um there there is a people think it's a spectrum in 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 one aspect but i tend to think that the spectrum is a kind of timeline um so with regard to the mathsy thing goodness knows what went on in our brains for that not to develop at all in any of us probably um but with regard to you said can you repeat your question because i'm not really sure what you meant with regard to the the other aspects
1: Oh, I was just thinking in terms of learning anything, you know, whether it be an art or a, a new language or to dance or any of the skills that oh, we yeah, use for our brain. You know, if yeah. we wanted to strengthen those, how do your your methods and neuroplasticity interface with that?
2: Yeah, brilliantly, because we understand the process. For example, when you repeatedly send messages down an axon. Um, that's when nerve growth factors get fired. And so new nerve pathways grow. So if you want to learn something new, whether it's driving a car, whether it's new dance steps, repetition is is what's going to create the nerve pathways to make that happen. So if it's going to be um, a new language you're learning as well, it's going to be repetition that's going to, going to nail it. Um, but if it's certainly something physical, then, then doing. Remember when you learnt to drive, it was all so difficult at first. And and by repeating what you did, it, it got easier, didn't it? Until it was automatic one day. And that's because you were, you were installing new nerve pathways. And that's how we learn. So yeah, repetition.
0: And so with that repetition, I'm wondering if now your son that doesn't show many signs at all of his former rather serious condition, is this something that he has to continue with? Does he continue with these exercises? Or is the healing so complete now that the pathways are established that just his normal life is already maintaining them?
2: Well, in his case, he was the, the first child that I treated, and I really didn't know what I was doing back then. And we've managed to get him better. Although um, sometimes I look at him and I think he walks a bit strange. I want him to redo. Um, his posture not great. I want him to redo the program. But um, a lot of the children and the way I work, they're fine, and they, they don't need to come back to it. Some of them, there are residual symptoms. But the first child he came to me, his mother actually paid uh, for me when I started doing this as an actual um therapy rather than just helping people out when I didn't really know what I was doing he was six at the time and at the age of five he'd been diagnosed with autism and a nervous breakdown so he came to me when he was six and he came into my clinic and he was just sitting rocking in the corner and I was thinking oh my goodness this is quite severe I hope I can help him because you know we always feel like beginners when we're therapists um no matter how many people we've seen and um he did the program for a long time because his symptoms were severe. And he, although he got better so, so quickly and so dramatically, whenever he stopped um, doing the program, his symptoms would come back and then he'd start and they'd go. And it took about a year for him to be better. But then when he was – so he'll be 15 now. So when he was 14 last summer, his, I got a call from his mom because we've stayed friends. And she said to me, Sue, we need you. He's just grown a foot because his dad's like six foot six. He's just grown a foot and he said to me, Mommy, I really need Sue. I'm growing and I can't feel my body anymore. So I went over there and gave him a session and he calmed down really quickly by just repeating what he was doing. He felt confident and, and stuff and he was fine. Yeah, all good. Uh, so yeah, occasionally when they grow really quickly, they can lose their, their wherewithal for, for a little while, but they get it back again.
0: Man, I am so loving and resonating with this connection that you work with of body-mind. Because a lot Mm -hmm. of us, especially in the Western world, right, uh, we tend to have a real disconnect between our mind and our thought process and our physical body, almost as if they're not related at all. So I personally find my own connection and method to help people with this through things like yoga. What I'm interested in is how is your exercise program and your methodology different? Why is it so revolutionary? How is it different than maybe just having your son go to a yoga class?
2: Absolutely. I mean, yoga is brilliant. I love yoga, and I used to do yoga a lot when I was younger, and I love it. So, the movement, all movement, is really good for the brain. Okay, it's really good for the body. The difference between what we do as neurodevelopmentalists and what Um, pretty much every other form of exercise except for maybe tai chi and dancing although they don't realize what they're doing they don't move the head and it's all about head eye and and hand movements which we synchronize so when you move in we we call it knowledgeable intervention when you move the the head and the hands and and the the eyes and the hands in a particular way and coordinate them you do different things in the brain from say yoga so so i used to do yanga and you'd sit in a pose for say 20 minutes or something and that's great but that's not going to be helping your brain it's going to be helping your body but not your brain um so when you when you connect some of the movements together in yoga then you'd be getting head movements but you still aren't tailoring it specifically to help your brain so what we know how to do to create certain things we need is to train the cranial nerves so the third fourth and sixth which work our eyes and and so on, and, and other ones which work on specific areas of the brain. So we can actually target what we're doing and we can create like a surgery without a scalpel on the brain by knowing how to, to tap that. And it, it will be through specific movements, looking in certain places, moving your head and your arms, etc. And that's, that's the difference between this and other forms of exercise. So if you think about dancing, you're moving your entire body and you're moving your head as well, but they're, they're not tailoring it to specific things. So it's pretty hit and miss. Although dancing is brilliant and, and it's very anti-aging, it's not tailored, unlike what we do in Euro Uh
1: So, yes, I have a a dance background and um, ballet primarily and as well as many other forms. And I remember my dance teacher always saying, if you continue to dance, you will never get Alzheimer's because you're moving your body through all planes of space while doing math and counting and, and repetition and patterning. Um. And using all parts of the body, so yeah, definitely the eyes and the everything is moving. So I love that she would always say that, like you're never going to get Alzheimer's.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, with Alzheimer's, dancing is going to be brilliant for it, but there are other issues with that, so heavy metal poisoning and so on, which is one of the factors that we we think is um big for Alzheimer's. So it's about keeping your brain healthy. So um, I have worked successfully with well, one Alzheimer's patient, and we got her better by um, getting heavy metals out of her brain and then rebuilding her brain so that she was um, better. And that worked to treat with her.
0: So in addition to these movements and exercises in your program, you also use diet and you approach cleansing practices as well, yes?
2: Yeah, I do. My father with his ADHD back in the 70s worked out that food was causing a lot of problems. Well, my mum actually worked it out. So she put us all on an elimination diet. And um, so we worked out what was affecting daddy and it was E621, which is monosodium glutamate and also nitrates and nitrites that they preserve bacon with. So once we got him off those, um, his brain was allowed to heal. So since I was a very small child, I grew up with being highly aware of how our our, um, nutrition can impact our brain and our behavior and our mood and our health. So I've written two books on that. One's called Nutrition for Special Needs and the other one is called Eat For Your Brain. Eat For Your Brain's on Superfoods and I actually wrote it for the Alzheimer's uh, patient that I had because uh, when I turned up at her house to treat her, I couldn't find the information I needed in any books I had. So I wrote the book I wanted and it's a book of symptoms and it just makes clinical work so easy for superfoods so you just you just look it up and um it's all science science sciencey it's no i wouldn't make anything up if it wasn't science-based i didn't include it so um yeah so food's a really big issue especially with children with adhd and so on and autism it's massive yeah definitely
0: there's another thing that i think we often tend in the western world to neglect is that connection of the root cause or a contributing factor. And so it's like, okay, well, I'm experiencing this problem. Maybe even some other people that were in your situation, right, Sue, would have said, oh, so my son yeah. is having this this issue with severe dyslexia. Oh, well, I guess there's nothing I can do. Um, I'm not going to change anything in the root cause. I'm just going to stay where I am and we're going to be stuck. But so you back it up, or if somebody has Alzheimer's, whatever, now you can back that up and decide, no, there's some contributing factors that you can eliminate through your diet, that there may be some things that you're taking in, in our chemically laden environment that are contributing to the issue. And I think people don't want to look at that because it's a little too, it's a little too challenging to look at, maybe you shouldn't eat that bacon, you know, maybe you shouldn't be guzzling the soda and all the other horrible things that we put in front of us and label as food. So that's one of the more challenging things for people sometimes. It's almost easier to do an exercise than it is to think, trace it back and eliminate some of the things you're choosing to take into your body.
2: Oh, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, I think with when you're talking about people who aren't prepared to change very often, uh, when I come across people like that, they are resistant to looking because they either don't believe that there's anything that can be done, or they're not prepared to look at it, and so they will say that there's nothing wrong with their child and that they're fine. But, you know, if that's their choice, that's fine. Um, but the people who come to me as patients, they're highly motivated to make changes, and they they get that they have an unhappy child and that their family life is being affected. And so I, I pretty much get pretty fantastic compliance from from my patients on the things I recommend because. I've watched it work so many times and I, after so many years, I, the way I talk to the children as well, I, I enrol them in the different possibility um, through maybe the use of food to create a healthier life for them and, and that they can be happier. Because, you know, when people come to you as a neurodevelopmentalist, they're not exactly enjoying life. They're not happy, but we can create that by making some little tweaks. So it's, it's, it's good for them to at least have the choice. Whereas if you don't have the knowledge, you don't have the choice.
1: Right, and I think it can feel a little daunting and scary for people to kind of open up that that box um, in terms of like, okay, so here's Alzheimer's, you know, yes, there needs to be some... uh, neuro reprogramming but then also going down that route of heavy metal exploration and it's like oh gosh now we have to spend all this money getting the metal taken out of our teeth and and really looking at diet and then how long will it actually take to detox it out and what are the methods and so it can be super beneficial to have somebody like you uh as as a support system and as a guide so um
2: yeah yeah it can be a bit like eating an elephant and you certainly don't want to eat an elephant in one sitting, so sometimes you just have to start with a tail and manage bite sized pieces and eat the bits that are gonna be more manageable and then before you know it you've you've eaten half an elephant. Well, <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather not somewhere. eat an
0: elephant at all, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. You know yeah, and there's... I don't think an elephant would be the best thing to eat.
0: There's a certain amount of accountability, too, that Rachel's mentioning here and tapping into about, like, that's the scary part to look at. And because as soon as you look at um, stepping away from any kind of victim about, like, this has just happened to me and I'm a helpless victim, it's like, oh, wait, there are lifelong patterns and habits that may have contributed to this factor or may at least certainly not be helping it along any And I just think it's that ownership and self-accountability that may be really frightening for people to approach of like, maybe there's something I can change to make this better.
2: Yeah, I think, I think there is a lot of that.
1: And it can take a great deal of faith in knowing that everything is shiftable. Um, you know, no matter how big and scary it feels, you know, trusting that, that it can always be closer to what you would like it to be.
2: Absolutely. And I think that a worried parent does better research than the FBI, as the, as the quote goes. So yeah, we're certainly very motivated to to help our children and help our family when when we're really concerned, and that's when some of the best work happens. I think there's nothing like uh, a worried parent for for creating um, solutions. Totally. Yeah. I was like so, moved.
1: Yeah. To, I was moved to tears when you said that you didn't leave the computer for three days. I just really like i am almost embodied that experience and was like it was so profound and big um yeah i and i know that like the things that i'm passionate about i mean you can't tear me away from the computer and so i i just envisioned like having this child that like you know i care so deeply for and is in distress that yeah i mean any any parent would do that it's So yeah it's
2: it's not good <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: Something else here that's really important to touch on, I think, is the power of hope. Because if you receive a diagnosis, whatever your medical diagnosis is, and you think that's just it, period, point blank, capital, end of sentence, done, and you can do nothing about it, it's terminal, then it will be for you. But if you have hope, if you have something, somebody like Sue that's going to say like, hey, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, there's a way to change this thing, even though doctors may say that this is a fixed condition and nothing's ever going to change there's a way to change it and you have that light of hope just applying that that ray of hope and optimism to a situation already begins to change things from the inside out
2: absolutely and it's about believing that Things can change. Professor Bruce Lipton says, do you know Professor Bruce Lipton? Do you know his work? Oh, yes. Oh, brilliant.
0: Absolutely. The Biology of Belief.
2: Professor Bruce Lipton wrote a book called The Biology of Belief, and he says that 40% of any prescription is placebo. So when we do, do anything, whether it's taking a medicine from the doctor or whether it's taking anything else, 40% of that is placebo. So, yeah, and that's a form of hope, isn't it? It's like believing and really wanting to get better. So that's, that's kind of really positive, I think.
0: Yes, absolutely. So what was your process here in, in creating your program? You did all your research and culminated it, and you worked with another specialist that really helped you gather some of these techniques. And then once you began working on your son, how do you decide that it's now time to share this with other families and to share this with other people that might benefit from your work?
2: Well, um, initially, I didn't intend to share it at all. What happened was the, the change in my son's behavior was so dramatic that parents started telling other people. And my phone literally rang off the hook for about four months. Of parents ringing me up saying, we've heard about your what you did for your son. Can we have some? So I never even went looking for it. It just arrived at my door. So um, that's really how I began helping other people. It was very, very random. I never expected it. So all of this process has been people wanting me to do stuff. I never set out to do anything except help my son. So it's been been brilliant.
1: Well, and that's how alignment with purpose often unfolds. You know, you don't go looking for it. It comes right to you.
2: Yeah, I, I really, really agree with that because... You couldn't have written this. You just couldn't make it up what's what's happened along this journey. So helping my son and then helping all these other people and then people asking me to train them and and people asking me to do um, different work with Alzheimer's and then people asking for this and that. And that's what's really changed my life is people coming to me. It's been mind-blowing, actually. quite Quite humbling.
0: So... People come to you from all over the world to do work with you. Do they all work with you in person? Because I know you're infusing physicality as a huge part of this neuroplasticity learning. Is there a way that you work with people through distance from around the world? Or do they travel to you?
2: Both. Um, I do work with people on Skype and FaceTime, um, even email. I've had patients in in Africa who email me and say, what do I do with my kid? And then uh, every couple of months, I'll send them some more instructions and... But, um, yeah, people – I've trained three people in Australia on FaceTime, although one of them did come visit me, which was just amazing. Um, yeah, I, I treat people all over the world, work with people all over the world. Very often, clinically, they'll come to me for the first appointment, and then we can do the follow-ups on on um, email or, or FaceTime or Skype. It's much easier when you can see them. But, um, yeah, and I've got videos which I can send them, so that they can really get the good quality treatment rather than being in the room with me when they can see what to do. They, they get the video and then it's very, very clear. So it's all done. Makes it very easy.
0: Yeah. And so then you're able to diagnose specifically for individual patients and individual people what types of exercises they would work on that would best benefit their needs right so it isn't like one blanket program that works for everybody you would work with the client you would see what their area is and then really pinpoint it and target ones that were designed for them
2: yeah most of it's the same so we have five sets of exercises and they work along a timeline so that more primitive exercises to more sophisticated so really what you would do would be to see what what where they need to begin Although uh, if there are symptoms that aren't being mopped up by that process, I've got other tricks that we can add in. We call them sort of like extras so that we can uh, uh, finish off certain symptoms that have been lingering. But most people need the similar program, yeah. So Although sometimes you might have to adapt it for them if they can't do it. So we, we, we just make it accessible, whatever's going on, yeah, so that we can make them able to do it.
0: Well, I really commend you in your personal journey and your professional journey, Sue. This is really important work, and especially for the people that may be a little bit pushed aside by the system, people that are told that their their situation will not improve. And so you're giving hope and a real vision of healing to a lot of people that need it. Because these souls, these people, that maybe their brain is not functioning like the rest of us, it's very, I can only imagine how challenging that is to connect and interact with the world around them, it would be a very confusing situation for everyone involved. So hats off to you. Thank you so much for the work you're doing. How can people out there from around the world reach out to you and learn more about this process and work with you and get some healing for their loved ones?
2: Okay, so I have two websites. One's called brainbuzz.co.uk. Brainbuzz is one word, three Z's, And I'm also on Facebook. You can find me at Buzz. So you can either find my pages to follow or send me a friend request, or you can find my other website, which is the exercise classes for grown-ups, And that's core cr.co.uk. I have, um, what else have I got? I've got, I'm on Instagram as Susie blue sky. That's my nickname from one of my friends. Um, and i <laughs> Post stuff on there. Get in touch with me there. Get in touch with me anyhow you can, really. So Facebook's a really good one for getting in touch with me. I hate email. My, my email was a bit tricky. So, yeah, Facebook or, or via my website would be good. Uh, or Instagram. Yeah. That,
0: that's is fantastic. That, is that
2: enough information?
1: Oh, yeah. Fantastic.
2: Yeah,
0: multiple avenues to reach out to Sue. And as, okay. always, as always, listeners, those links are going to be included in the text of the show. So you can follow those directly to her program. And connect with this wonderful healing light from London, or excuse me, from Essex. Essex, from Essex. <laughs> <It's nearly> London. <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: that's great. Uh, I am Daniel Alcyon. You can reach out to me to do all kinds of individual one-on-one work. I love working with you and connecting with you. And there's lots of different ways to meet and suit your needs. Anything from personal meditation coaching to Something called a self-discovery session, which is where we really analyze where your roadblocks are, find techniques to blast those out of the way, and then highlight your strengths, creating the blueprint to the new you. This is a wonderful one-on-one session. Reach out to me about that. You can get a hold of me, Daniel at EcstaticExistence.com. Please check out the Ecstatic Existence page on Facebook. That's where we post all these episodes, um, inspirational videos, all kinds of cool links there.
1: And I am Rachel Alcyon, and I would be delighted to be of service to you, you know. Uh, there are many different platforms in being able to work with me, and really what I want for you is to be able to access your own divinity, claim your empowerment, and create your own unique version of holistic luxury and vibrant sexuality. So um, that can be done through online series, that can be done through VIP days and retreats, and even... Um, you know, via phone. So reach out to me, rachelalsian.com as well as on Facebook. That's one of my favorite ways to connect.
0: And this program that you're listening to, the Ecstatic Existence Podcast, is brought to you completely ad-free, so we don't have any sponsors on the outside telling us what to do or who to talk to, right? And we want to keep it that way. So it's downloadable for free around the world, streamable for free worldwide. We do this for you because the information needs to get out, because it's really important to hear about things like Sue shared today. So this is possible because of you, the listeners. We're listener-powered, listener-sponsored, listener-supported. You can help us out in numerous ways. Number one, word of mouth. It's the most powerful way. So if you hear somebody saying, hey, what podcast are you listening to? Drop a line, you know, tell them Ecstatic Existence. Hook them up with the show. Tell everyone you know, listen to Ecstatic Existence podcast. That's number one. Number two is the digital world, the extension of our physical world, right? That's push the like button, push the share button, leave comments, write reviews on iTunes. That really helps a lot. Subscribe, all of these things. You can find us on many different platforms. The third leg of our support structure that creates a lovely pyramid is the financial end. And you can help us out promoting our storage, bandwidth, hosting and posting, the time it takes to edit and produce the show and book amazing guests like Sue Cook. You can help us out at patreon.com. Thank you, Patreon, for making that service available to conscious creators from around the world. Type in Ecstatic Existence, find the page, hook us up. You choose to make a monthly donation there at Patreon, becoming a patron of the arts. You can also choose to make a one-time donation via PayPal. That helps us out quite a bit if you're not ready to make the plunge of a, a monthly recurring donation. So the PayPal address is EcstaticExistence at gmail.com. And we really appreciate the support. It means a lot to us.
1: Drop us a line. We want to know about you and how we can best serve you and support you. Um, maybe there's a topic that you've really been, uh, you know, walking with and being with, maybe even feeling challenged by, and you want some support. We would love to know how to create that show for you.
0: Yep. Maybe you have a question a little further in depth of something that wasn't, you know, covered on a program or like just touched into and you wanted more reach out. We'd love to connect you with whoever was speaking on the program and help you further along on your journey. Thank you so much, Sue. It's been a wonderful time being with you here. I really appreciate everything you're doing in the world.
2: Thank you. I forgot to tell you about my books where they can find them. Oh, great. Yeah. Let's let's let everyone know. There's Eat for Your Brain, there's Maximize Your Child's Potential, and there's Nutrition for Special Needs. They're my three favorites that I've written, and they're all available on Amazon.
0: Wonderful. Check that out, everybody. There's amazing resources of information available for you here, and we look forward to being with you yet again next week. Stay ecstatic, everybody. We love you.
2: Thank you so much for having me on your show. It's been lovely. neuroplasticity which is the potential of our brain to grow new is pathway. the port- of our brain to plastic of of our brain of our brain the of our brain to <optimism> <shoe> <vierHS>